during our Zazenkais and Sushins, when we chant our first Sutra service dedication, we pay tribute to Dogen Keegan, Dai Osho. Dai Osho means great priest. And I'm sure any of you could take this seat tonight to share your meetings with the words of Dogen Keegan, also known as Dogen Zenji, Ehe Dogen, or simply Dogen. As Aitken Roshi states in his book, Taking the Path of Zen, Dogen is a teacher of towering importance in Buddhism, generally, as well as within his own tradition of Zen. I thank our teacher, Ross Bolliter, for decades of his teaching and for asking me to contribute to our Dharma sharing, our exchange of words and phrases, tonight on Dogen, who in his style, which is poetic and paradoxically intriguing, wrote, discriminating is words and phrases, and words and phrases liberate discriminating thought. So as I prepared these words and phrases for tonight's talk, I did so trusting one of Dogen's favourite words, Shoshin, translated as beginner's mind. The term was brought to us vividly by Shunryo Suzuki with his book title, Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind. As a beginner in the study of Dogen's texts, I offer this talk in appreciation for his words, which encourage me along the way. The encouragement I speak of began in 1974. Under London's grey skies, I was far from home and lost in the sudden demise of my young marriage. I headed to Kos, a Greek island, as you do. With my tiny book, Springs of Oriental Wisdom. A Californian traveler introduced me to Suzuki's Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind, published just four years before. And it soon became my Bible, with its quotes from and references to Dogen. I still reread it these days because of Suzuki's clarity in transmitting the essence of Dogen's instructions for Zen meditation and practice. On page 33, Suzuki introduced me to and expanded on Dogen's unique understanding of time. He only quoted one phrase, time goes from present to past. Yet, I felt strangely met by that little phrase. In Greece, I would take Suzuki's slim book with me on long walks and find an outcrop, often just down from a whitewashed chapel on top of a hill. There, I tried Zazen for the first time, counting breaths freshly fragrant with wild herbs, at times, distant tinklings of goat bells would make their way through the turmoil 
of pain in the legs, thoughts and feelings. Fleetingly, I would settle into a straight back and warm sunshine. But for the most part, the loss of my marriage was turning time upside down, roundabout, forward and back each moment. I'm sure we have all experienced sudden loss in one way or another. When clock time stands still, winds back, rushes on, and loops into the rhythm of heart time. It rips the veil of our contrived notion of time as something separate with sequence and order. To reveal time expressing itself as everything in existence, here and now. Dogen, reputably, reputedly Japan's first philosopher, is perhaps the only religious leader in history who has written on the nature of time. And in more recent years, with encouragement from our teachers, I've become aware of his full text, Uji, The Time Being, from which Suzuki quoted the short, mysterious phrase that I resonated with all those years ago. In his text, The Time Being, Dogen wrote, Time itself is all being, and all being is time. Time is not separate from you, and as you are present, time does not go away. He also wrote, because all moments are the time being, they are your time being. So-called today flows into tomorrow, today flows into yesterday, yesterday flows into today, and today flows into today. Tomorrow flows into tomorrow. I take note of the first so-called and other phrases that Dogen uses, such as moments that appear to be or moments that seem to be throughout his text. Because with them, Dogen cautions us from our habitual myopic ideas on the nature of time. Time isn't out there early or late. It's completely in the face of now, as moments arise from each other and within each other. Our teacher, Ross Bolliter, frequently reminds us with his refrain, there is no such thing as waiting. Or, every moment is up for it. He wrote in his book, Dongshan's Five Ranks, between breaths, lifetimes pass. All of them gathered into this puckering of time we call now. Nevertheless, Dogen compassionately acknowledged our limited understanding of time when he wrote, people only see times coming and going and do not thoroughly understand that the time being abides in each moment. 
I have experienced several sudden or accidental losses in my life. And as some of you know, eight weeks ago, I faced the impossible challenge of conceding that Ella, my cherished canine companion of 15 years, needed to be euthanized. In the weeks since the sudden shock, I have grappled with Buddhist ethics and the precepts. And I could say more about that. But here I can say that the situation presented its poignant taste of truth. The truth of impermanence of form, but inclusiveness of all time in each moment. Ella's form dissolved like the form of a cloud dissolves. Gone forever. And not gone at all. Woof! Dogen's words deeply encourage me to try and stay present to the being of time. Loss of a loved one, as described by Dogen, was the powerful pivot, pivotal event in the course of his life. Born in 1200 in Kyoto, Japan, and much of his family details the subject of scholarly conjecture, but it's agreed, agreed that he was born to aristocratic parents in a period of great upheaval and imperial power conflicts in Japan. His reputed father died when he was three years old. And his foster father was a distinguished poet and editor of a celebrated imperial anthology of waka, a traditional Japanese poem form. So as a boy, Dogen received a high tutorial education in Chinese literature and Japanese poetry. He was destined for an imperial position. However, his mother's death when he was only eight years old changed the course of his life. Dogen stood at his mother's funeral, watching the smoke from the incense waft away. And much later in his life, he wrote, Realising the impermanence of life, I began to arouse the way-seeking mind. At the age of 13, he went to Mount Hai to become a Buddhist monk at the headquarters of the dominant Tendai sect. However, disenchanted with the teaching and the politically affiliated warrior monks, he found no answer on Mount High to his compelling question, which was, if all beings have Buddha nature, why do Buddhas and ancestors have to arouse Bodhi mind and practice? Why does anyone have to practice? Dogen carried this question deeply and followed his restless heart, traveling to a number of monasteries in the early 1200s. Now in the 1980s, during four nomadic years of traveling between Perth and Hawaii, sitting sessions with John Tarrant when he visited the Zen group of WA and Aitken Roshi with the Honolulu Diamond Sangha, I discovered Dogen's elegant poem on non-dependence of mind. I wrote it on the inside cover of journals on bookmarks as I crossed continents. 
I kept them near me when I moved to the vast inlet of Denmark in the 1990s and returned here to the wide reaches of the Swan River 10 years ago. And this favourite verse, as translated by R.H. Blythe, is The water bird wanders here and there, leaving no trace, yet her path she never forgets. In that verse I find, as Ross Bolliter quotes from Eduardo Galliano, a true contemporary. But back to the 1200s. When Dogen continued visiting monasteries until it was suggested he study with the abbot, and I'm not sure the pronunciation, Isai, I think. Now he had visited China twice and brought back teachings from the Chinese Lingji school to his Tendai monastery. However, Miozen became abbot after Isai's early death and Dogen formed a, fine, a firm bond with the new abbot to the point where they travelled together to China when Dogen was only 23 years old in search of authentic teachings. Dogen finally met and stayed with Ru Jing, a Shaodong abbot of Tiangtong Mountain. Now, just 60 or so years before, Hongzhe Zhenzhe, who we have in our sutra books with his wonderful verse, Silent Illumination, was the abbot at that same monastery. At Tiangtong Mountain, Dogen would have met elderly monks, perhaps, who had sat with Hongzhe. And Dogen's poem, the point of Zazen after Master Hongzhe pays tribute with its echo of the old master's teachings. So as the second of Hongzhe's descendants, Ru Jing taught Dogen, who stayed five years in China, until in his, in his own words, he had completed his life study of the great matter. But it wasn't all easy. In his poem, Snow, Dogen wrote of his struggle, an earnest quest for authentic teachings. He wrote, All my life, false and real, right and wrong, tangled. Playing with the moon, ridiculing wind, listening to birds. Many years wasted seeing the mountain covered with snow. This winter, I suddenly realise snow is the mountain. Dogen returned to Japan when he was 27, and he adopted his teacher Ru Jing's understanding that there was only one Dharma, dismissing distinctions between different schools and sects. So it is most ironic that Dogen is most famous as founder of the Soto School of Zen. When he first arrived home in Japan, he stayed in Kyoto and taught with the support of lay people connected to his former aristocratic circle. However, The Roaring Stream, a book edited by Nelson Foster in 1996, refers to one document which told of how 
the powerful dominant Tendai sect with its links to the imperial court was critical of Dogen and that tired of defending himself, Dogen and most of his monks left Kyoto and relocated to the mountainous rural area of Echizen, now Fukuo Prefecture. His monastery, monastery Daibutsu, he renamed Eheiji in 1246. And it was there he wrote prolifically until when unwell in September 1253, he journeyed to Kyoto and died in the home of a lay student. His prolific writings, especially his great life work, The Treasury of the True Dharma Eye, are the cornerstone of practice for Soto teachers and students worldwide. Non-separation, Kazuaki Tanahashi states, as editor of the most recent 2010 edition of Dogen's life's work, non-separation may be the one word he would use if he attempted to sum up Dogen's teaching. His teaching of practice enlightenment, that Zazen itself is enlightenment, was profound and groundbreaking. He wrote in a text entitled Endeavour of the Way, when even for a moment you sit upright in samadhi expressing the Buddha mudra, the whole world of phenomena becomes the Buddha mudra and the entire sky turns into enlightenment. Yet for over 600 years after his death, his writings were not well known beyond his own community. And only in 1965 did Aitken Roshi and Kazuaki Tanahashi collaborate to publish the first English translation of Dogen's most revered text, which we read from our sutra books, actualizing the fundamental point or Genjo Koan. Seventeen years later in 1982, Aitken Roshi wrote his classic, Taking the Part of Zen, and it is imbued with Dogen's teachings. And on page 66 he wrote of his lineage, the Sanbo Kayadan, it is an independent sect of Buddhism intended as a revitalization of the line of Dogen. I recall hearing Aitken Roshi quoting lines from the Genjo Koan during my time in Honolulu, and their mysterious poetic style intrigued me. In his Taisho's classes and many of his books, Aitken Roshi repeated some of the most commonly cited lines. Among them, from the seminal book, Moon in a Dewdrop, edited by Kazuaki Tanahashi, and published in 1985 were to carry yourself forward and experience myriad things is delusion. That myriad things come forth and experience themselves is awakening.
While not understanding those lines, I always felt encouraged and uplifted on hearing them in the dojo in Honolulu. So in 1990, when it was time to finally return to Perth, I spent a month in Japan on the way home and briefly visited Dogen's monastery at Aheji. It was autumn and chilly in the mountains. I stayed in a large guest accommodation building near giant redwoods and ancient ginkgo trees, quietly dropping golden leaves. Through the monastery grounds, a loudly rushing stream flows. I stood in awe next to the ancient boulders and the stream where Dogen would have stood. And since then, I've enjoyed discovering his line the sound of running water is Buddha's great speech. In the early morning at Aheji, I sat in the Dharma Hall where more than 200 monks chanted the Heart Sutra in Sino-Japanese, which we do sometimes in Seshin. When my name was chanted as part of the dedication to the monastery's visitors, tears filled my eyes. Before I left, I gathered some fallen ginkgo trees to press into souvenir bookmarks and shared them with some of the folk in the Sangha in Perth. Dogen's place, Eheji, greatly encouraged me along the way. In recent years, I've been reading more of his texts. I joyfully encounter his enigmatic style of wordplay, paradox, contradiction, metaphor, quite musical structure and steady encouragement. He wrote so profusely that as a beginning student, I know I'll die not having met all his words or the incredible range of commentaries on them by Zen scholars. As our teacher, Mary Ridwin, said to me last year, he had lay students and a huge number of monks at Aheji. He wrote textbooks for them. And it's true. He wrote instructions for every activity, such as cooking, eating, washing, getting dressed. I find he instructs and he cautions. He plays and reassures. But most of all, his paradoxical style constantly turns everything around, leaving nothing to hold on to, except trust in Zazen. Zazen is the key to practice for Dogen because while every moment, whether sitting Zazen or in the midst of everyday activities, every moment offers its taste of true reality. Yes, but doing formal zazen sharpens the taste buds. Dogen provides no shortcuts, no escape routes. Sitting, and quite a lot of it, is his essential. Our sitting practice grounds us and wakens us to the mischief we can make of our everyday activities. This was most evident to me during our recent training period with Mary Ridwin, when participants reported and discussed 
how additional sitting illuminated usual everyday activities. Dogen goes to the heart of why we practice in the title of his best-known text, Genjo Koan. Norman Fisher Roshi, a contemporary Zen teacher who I met very briefly at Green Gulch Farm in California in the 1980s, says that to study Dogen without Japanese is a sad thing. At best, we read translations. Strangely, I have always felt a closer affinity to the Japanese title than to the English translation, Genjo Koan. Actualizing the fundamental point. Mm -mm. So as someone who isn't literate in Japanese, I was delighted to recently investigate Shohaku Okamura's comments in his book, Realising Genjo Cohen, which came out in 2010. Okamura has been studying the Genjo Cohen in Japanese for 35 years. And he writes about the characters of the kanji Dogen used to write the title. Okamura acknowledges the usual translation of Cohen as a public case of a turning point that we need to make our own. But he reveals that the kanji Dogen used for ko refers to a quality of all things, absolute, emptiness, while the kanji for an refers to uniqueness, relative, form. Okamura says, with these kanji, koan, in Genjo Koan, expresses the reality of our own lives. We are the intersection of equality, universality, unity, oneness with all beings, and inequality, difference, uniqueness, particularity, individuality. Reality includes both unity and difference. Norman Fisher comments on this and says that what we grapple with as the koan of our, that it is what we grapple with as the koan of our life. And that with Zazen, we show up and actualize this truth of our nature. Perhaps Dogen's most well-known words in the Genjo Koan and on the practice of Zen are to study the Buddha way is to study the self. To study the self is to forget the self. To forget the self is to be actualized by myriad things. When actualized by myriad things, your body and mind as well as the body and mind of others, drop away. No trace of realization remains, and this no trace continues endlessly. Now I've learned from Okumura 
that the word study in these lines doesn't have our usual associations. The kanji for study intends the meaning of to become intimate with. So to become intimate with the Buddha way is to become intimate with the self. All is contained here. All the sensations, all the feelings, all the thoughts, all the mental reactions. To study the self is to forget the self. Now there's the rub. Nothing is unchanging. The fiction we construct as the self, clothed in black, sitting on this mat, Kathy, sister, employee, neighbour, is simply a constellation of experiences and conditions that I would do well to leave at the door of the dojo. As Arthur Wells put, he put it in Bailing Up in 2014, when we do Zazen, we can relax the face and let go of all the masks it's worn that day. Ross Bolliter constantly reminds us we are not bounded by our skin. We are not bounded by our skull. We are not bounded by the thoughts of who we are. When we sit Zazen, we can give these constructs of self a rest. I believe this is the rest that Aitken Roshi referred to when he wrote, Buddha nature breathes in and out, but is always at rest. Yes, in Zazen, we soften every sinew and muscle, but moreover, we soften and put to rest our fabrication of a fixed self. All our views and opinions, all our doubts, all our aspirations. Dogen wrote that the self is not a personal possession. And I find it helpful to recall the words of Glenn Wallace, who said during his transmission session in 2010, the universe is searingly impartial in its flourish of you. In forgetting the self, myriad things come forth in their impartiality. They experience themselves. Tummy rumble, passing car, candlelight, top of Ross's hair,
That's it. No separation between self, sounds. We know how Ross likes to tap the floorboard. <laughs> Thank you, Ross. <laughs> when actualized by myriad things, your body and mind and the body and mind of others drop away. For many years, beginning with Dogen's third generation successor, Keizan Jokin, who we also pay tribute to in our chant book. For many years, the interpretations of this line had it as expressing Dogen's pivotal realization experience. But Okimura refutes this understanding and asserts that the words describe the active process of practice enlightenment as taught by Dogen and expounded throughout his writing. I'm encouraged by Okamura's interpretation because for decades I mistakenly struggled, striving to shed delusion and gain realization. When Dogen asserts, both are here all along. As Mary Ridwin described last year, it's like that drawing in which we can see a beautiful young woman and an old crone. They are both there, but you can only see one at a time. How encouraging. Meeting Dogen's words on the way has brought trust and commitment to my practice. Trust. Trust Zazen. But I commend you to meet Dogen's words for yourself. The wonderful poet Ryokan met them in the 19th century and exquisitely wrote, One evening, sitting by the lamp, my tears wouldn't stop, and soaked into the records of the ancient Buddha Ehe. In the morning, the old man next door came to my thatched hut. He asked me why the book was damp. I wanted to speak, but I didn't, as I was deeply embarrassed, my mind deeply distressed. It was impossible to give an explanation. I dropped my head for a while, then found some words. Last night's rain leaked in and drenched my bookcase. May rain leak in and drench your bookcase. Thank you for listening.